Welcome to Crosspoint Conversations, a podcast where we discuss cultural and theological questions from a biblical worldview. Each week we take your questions and discuss what the Word of God has to say about them. You can submit questions to podcasts at crosspointpgh.org. The views discussed in this podcast may not always represent the views of Crosspoint Church. Well, welcome to Crosspoint Conversations. We're excited about and a little afraid maybe about what we're going to be uh, discussing and conversing about today, but uh, we do ask for your questions to keep coming. Uh, if you want to send a question, please send it in to podcast at crosspointpgh.org, and we will get to it. We look forward to any and all questions that come across. Hey, guys, how you doing? Uh, Andrew, how are you? I'm good. I'm good. Summer's going quick. Kids are already starting uh, to think about school. We're coming. Hey, where where are you taking vacation yeah. this year? Yeah, vacation. You're <laughs> funny. We're going to Spain here. In fact, by the time this podcast drops, we'll be hopefully not dropping over, out of the sky. Yeah, hopefully we'll be <laughs> not dropping. We'll be flying uh, somewhere over the Atlantic Ocean. You saved so. some money. They said you could skydive out of the plane. Skydive out of the plane. <laughs> save some money. <laughs> save some money. There you go. Um, but no, we're going to be heading over to Spain, meeting with some church planters and some missionaries over there, and just praying about maybe um, what the Lord may have us get involved with um, over in the Christian, um, post-Christian um, front of Europe. And um, you know, there's a huge need for uh, gospel evangelical presence over there. So I hear, uh, Seth, you're uh, gearing up for tour, huh? Yeah, I'm also gearing up for a little vacation here. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Uh, no, which also happens to fall right at the beginning of my semester, so it'll be far, far from a vacation. <laughs> but yeah, I'm gearing up for a tour here in September, two weeks, uh, all the way from Chicago down to New Jersey. Nice. So, yep. Now, in the vein of um, the humility of, of you not wanting to self-promote, where can people find out information? Well, you can go to my website, which is SethJourningInMusic.com. There Click on the tour go. link. Most of the dates are there. Still have a few to add. Or you can follow me on social medias because I'll be announcing the tour pretty soon. All right. Excellent. Well, what about uh, your contract with all these churches? About the, your, your goodies in the green room. What are you, <laughs> what are you asking for? Ah, the green room. <laughs> you made it big time when you get the green room, huh? <laughs> yeah. I haven't, uh, I haven't heard anything about a green room from anybody. But if I were to have a request... I would want red M&M's only, limoncello, LaCroix, and um, a nice comfy couch to sit on. Uh, and yeah. Okay, okay, okay. so wait a minute. So you're, wait, well, first of all, what's your date for your tour stop at Crosspoint? Uh, the 24th of September, very last show. All right, last show, 24th. So it's going to be great or he's going to mail it in. One of the two. <laughs> he's either going to get all the bugs worked out or he's just going to mail it in. So we'll have to, you have to come and find out which one it is. But um, So if we set up a green room, you want red M&M's only. Red M&M's, that's right. So if I take responsibility for that, can you buy just red M&M's? Uh, I don't think so. <laughs> okay, so I am totally taking responsibility for that. Because I'm going to buy the biggest bag of M&M's I can find. You get all the red ones, and there's like six colors in there. So you get a sixth of them, and I get five-sixths of them. That's that, true. That works you know, out pretty well. Real quick, there is a, a fun story behind that. I can't remember what artist it was. It was a big artist. His management said in the green room, there can only be one color of M&M's. The first thing his manager would do when he got to the venue, go to the green room, 
see if there was that one color of M&Ms. If there were, he said, everything's going to be great. They took everything seriously. If there were just all the colors of M&Ms, he would know that this was not going to be the, the greatest venue. Okay, so now the question is, do you actually not remember which artist that was, or do you just not want to throw someone under the bus? I really care. It was a, fa- <laughs> it was a big, famous artist. It was okay, probably like Coldplay okay. or something. Okay, all right. There you go. Well, it's good to be gathered again. It seems like we've been apart for a while, but I guess we haven't really been apart for a while, but here we are. And so we have a great question coming in from somebody in our church um, about the blasphemy of the Holy Spirit. I, I, I don't know whether to love this man or despise him <laughs> for this question, but it's been useful for our discussion before we uh, record this. And so we're going to find out that there's no easy answer, number one. Number two, there. Um, Paul, the theologians have been arguing about this for a long time, So, but we'll do our best. So it comes from, uh, like I said, a man in our church, and his question is out of Matthew 12 on the blasphemy of the Holy Spirit. He says, a demon-possessed man, so his question is, is the, is the blasphemy of the Holy Spirit contingent on the specific circumstances of the Pharisees? insofar as they directly witnessed Jesus performing God's work through the Holy Spirit and claimed it was rather through the power of something wicked and unholy, such as the demons. And he goes on to say, since Christ has ascended, no one now can witness him as a man performing miracles and claim his Holy Spirit is wicked. Or is it merely believing the Holy Spirit is wicked or unholy, kind of a willful uh, defiance? And so that's a long question centered on the blasphemy of the Holy Spirit. And we might need to put it more simply by simply saying, is that something that happened only at that time or can it happen today? And so we are tasked with trying to define it. So maybe it's relevant to look at the passage. Yeah, and I, I think the context, you know, is the three most important things when you study the word is context, context, context. Amen. And so the context of Matthew 12 is really important in this. Jesus um, is um, traveling around in a demon-oppressed man, blind and mute, uh, was brought to him, and Jesus healed him. And not a lot is told about how he did it. Um, but it says that the people were amazed and they were saying, you know, is this the Christ? Is this the son of David? The Pharisees, however, had a bit of a different spin on it. And they said, no, no, this is, this is, uh, uh, this is Beelzebub. This is Satan, um, who is doing this work. This is not of God. And so Jesus kind of refutes that. And, and he begins by just telling them, listen, it's ridiculous that you would say that Satan did this. Why would Satan cast out one of his own demons? Why would Satan cast out Satan? That's ridiculous. And so he carries on his argument. And then, Seth, I wonder if you would read, um, starting in verse 30 of Matthew 12, really kind of what his, the, 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 the argument that Jesus is, is making here and kind of the conclusion he comes to as it relates to the blasphemy of the Holy Spirit. Uh, Jesus says, starting in verse 30, whoever is not with me is against me, and whoever does not gather with me scatters. Therefore, I tell you, every sin and blasphemy will be forgiven people, but the blasphemy against the Spirit will not be forgiven, and whoever speaks a word against the Son of Man will be forgiven, but whoever speaks against the Holy Spirit will not be forgiven, either in this age or the age to come. Amen. So, 
We need to give a definition, obviously, of blasphemy, and there's a lot of smart guys out there who have worked on this for a long time. So we're going to just give one definition from John MacArthur, and he says, blasphemy, the act of blaspheming, is defiant irreverence, the uniquely terrible sin of intentionally and openly speaking evil against holy God or defaming or mocking him. And so you see that a little bit there in this uh, description in Matthew 12, where Jesus says, hey, all this has been done by the Holy Spirit, but you're saying it's done by, by Satan. And so we've got a problem of you guys blaspheming the Holy Spirit in the end, or at least being very, very close. And so that's the context uh, of what we're going to talk about. So we've got a couple different views going on amongst the three of us. And so we need to get down to it uh, right now. So um, a broader view is going to be represented by the two guys who oppose me, and that would be Andrew and Seth. <laughs> oh, the opposing you the right or word. sitting opposite from you? I would say opposing God, but that's another oh, story. My goodness. Not me, but you know the Holy <laughs> Word of God. No, I'm just teasing, of course. But uh, there is a broader understanding of this that can fit into even modern understanding of those who are saved or unsaved. So which one of you well, two gentlemen want to tackle that? Yeah, I, I think that even that broader understanding is is evidenced in the question, um, you know, when he says, um, is it specific circumstances of the Pharisees, um, or is it merely believing the Holy Spirit is wicked or unholy, which would be willful defiance? And so the broad view um, would basically define blasphemy of the Holy Spirit as... Um, a stubborn and unrepentant attitude uh, that continually rejects the grace of God found in, in Jesus Christ. So the, the broad view would look at, say, that the Pharisees are looking at the miracles that Jesus is doing and saying that is that work, the work of uh, God's grace, evidenced through the miracles and the love and the compassion and the mercy that Jesus is showing this person who has a demon um, that is th- that they're they're seeing the grace of God revealed through Jesus Christ, and they are responding and saying that is not of God. That's a lie. That is false. That's not true. That is of Satan. Satan is the father of lies. And so to extrapolate that out, obviously we don't have Jesus's work in front of us, as in the physical seeing Jesus heal people today, and yet. We see the work of Christ evidenced all around us in our own hearts, in the hearts of our loved ones. And anytime somebody believes in Jesus Christ, that the, the work, the grace of God is evidenced in their life and, and they are responding to the work of the Holy Spirit. So likewise, um, you know, if somebody is um, presented with the gospel they understand the, the, the truth, it's clearly laid out to them. And they refuse to believe it. Um, they are. They reject it. They say, "No, I'm not going to believe that. I don't believe it's true," or whatever their response might be. But there is a continual rejection of it, and that continuation goes all the way through their life until the day that they die, until the moment that they die. Then that would be the that would be blaspheming. That would be continual unrepentance, blaspheming the work of the Holy Spirit happening in their lives. And, you know, Hebrews 10 talks about verse 26, if we go on sinning deliberately after receiving the knowledge of the truth, 
there no longer remains a sacrifice for sins. And skipping down a couple verses, he says in verse 29, how much worse punishment do you think will be deserved by the one who has trampled underfoot the Son of God and has profaned the blood of the covenant by which he was sanctified and has outraged the Spirit of grace? And so I think it's the understanding that the work of God, the work of grace, that uh, that as we see God's grace poured out upon us, it's the continual rejection of that until the day that you die. And, you know, that, that Jesus says, if you continually attribute my work, the work of God's grace seen through me, if you continue to believe it's a lie, continue to believe that it's not true until the day you die, then you're going to be found unforgiven on the day of judgment. So, so one way to unpack this, and Seth, you might want to jump in, or, or Andrew, is to say, first of all, in the Matthew 12 passage, the work of the Holy Spirit, the work of the Spirit was to, to do miracles through Christ. Mm-hmm. The work of the Holy Spirit now, and for many, many centuries, obviously, until Christ comes again, is to change people's hearts, to cause them to be born again, regenerated, new creations. That's the work of the Holy Spirit today. So how would we blaspheme the Holy Spirit in the context that the work of the Holy Spirit then was doing miracles through Christ, among many other things. Today, it's causing people to be born again. Mm -hmm. How does one blaspheme? Well, the the work of the Holy Spirit today is regenerating dead hearts and raising dead people from their grave of their sin and opening their eyes to the light of the Christ. And so to blaspheme that is to reject that, is to turn away from that, to understand the work of, of grace and to refuse to believe it, refuse to submit yourself to it. Mm-hmm. Another helpful thing I think to maybe remember about this passage is Jesus doesn't look at these Pharisees and say, you are unforgiven from now till eternity. Uh, I I think it's a warning to them that if you continue in this unbelief and hardness of heart, like I am right in front of you, if you continue in this, then you will commit the unforgivable sin of blaspheming my spirit. And um, who who would be left to to soften uh, someone's heart if they just continue to be completely opposed to him? Um, And uh, I can't remember his first name, but Mathis, a writer on... Uh, Desiring God, and Piper both wrote wrote very helpful articles. And this Mathis said, the reason these scribes are dangerously close to being guilty of eternal sin is because they are evidencing such a settled hardness of heart against the Spirit that their hearts may no longer be capable of repentance. Um, And so I think that should be a, a warning to those who hear the gospel and just continue to De- deny it and um, and and reject the Holy Spirit offering them the gospel. Uh, they're they're dangerously close to to committing this unforgivable sin. Yeah, I think you said a wise thing in the sense that you know Jesus even says all sins are forgivable. Any sin that's ever been committed could be forgiven by the grace of God. He has that right to pardon anything. Um, but the act of Blaspheming the Holy Spirit means you've reached a point, it seems what you're saying, Seth, where your heart is so hardened against God, the Holy Spirit, the Son of God, that you're, you're really um, never going to repent. You're going to oppose. Would that be fair? With, with the nuance that there is never a heart 
or a person that God cannot reach, that the gospel cannot transform. The thing I'd say is if you take this to the grave, your denial of the gospel, and the Holy say, say a family member who you've evangelized to again and again and again, they, they just spat in your face, they don't want this, then, yeah, they've taken this blasphemy of the Holy Spirit to their grave, and, and they will uh, pay pay the consequence in hell. So yeah. to attribute the work of the Holy Spirit in salvation to something like you're just following a demon or you're just, they mock God about it rather than believe that something has actually happened, whether they understand the Holy Spirit or not, I I think we can talk about. But in the end, they're, they're just saying, it's kind of, it's kind of like when I was getting saved, um, I I was influenced by Missy, my wife, but at that time she was just this adorable blonde girl who was a Jesus freak, and you know, so my family could have said they didn't, but they could have said, "Ah, you only became a Christian because of this cute little girl." Uh, that's not attributing anything to Satan. That's just doubting the work of the Holy Spirit in my life. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and. So understanding that's the that's the broad view of it, and and as you alluded to in the opening, there's there's a fair amount of debate of over and some very reputable people and people much smarter than the combined IQ in this room um, recording today <laughs> of, um, <laughs> that have studied this and have fallen on very different opinions on this. And so I, I know Pastor Mike, you have sort of a, a narrower view that you've been looking into and. Um, so maybe you can expound on that. Well, I think, I think mine's more of a potential for narrower view, and it goes basically to the question, is this only something that happened in Jesus's day? And so there are some theologians who would say there, there can be no blasphemy of the Holy Spirit today, because what was being blasphemed is the work of Satan in the miracles through Christ is not something that's going to be done today. Therefore, there can be no blasphemy of the Holy Spirit. That might be too narrow. Um, but the sense of of the blasphemy of the Holy Spirit being the work of Satan, I think could only be um, attributed to the act of regeneration, to so severely mock it. You read out of he, uh, Hebrews 10 something that is comparable to Hebrews 6, that people who have tasted Christianity, they got super excited about it. They're the soil that the seed was spread on, and they kind of sprouted up, but then it quickly withered away because it was amongst rocks or the cares of the world just crippled their faith. People can get excited about Christ and then just walk away and say, I found a better option. I don't believe in this Jesus stuff anymore. And that could be uh, the attributable to the blaspheming of the Holy Spirit. But more narrowly, I think it is talking about that moment in time when Christ was performing miracles. He's the Messiah. The religious leaders were openly teaching what you're doing is satanic. And he's saying, guys, you are so close to be so hard in your hearts that you, you're going to be unpardonable when the time comes. And he's just warning them, what is going on here is the Holy Spirit working through me. You guys are in trouble. And I don't know too many circumstances where an outsider who's not in the faith would say, hey, you getting saved because of this cute little blonde girl is the work of of Satan. Not too many people would say that and realize that they're blaspheming the Holy Spirit. These uh, religious leaders, the Pharisees, should have known better. And that's what Jesus is um, harping on them about. Now, I I think... This is one of maybe the the um, rare moments where you can have this theological debate 
and kind of take two different paths, but sort of arrive at the same conclusion here. And so I, I think the application, at least in our conversations before recording this, you know, the, 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 the thing about this is we may have two different views on it, but I think the applications for us today, at least the applications I took out of it, regardless of where you come down on the specific interpretation of this passage, the broader application points for it of how it applies to us today are very much um, aligned and, and we kind of arrive at the same destination point. Well, I think we'd agree um, that rejecting Christ is rejecting pardon. Maybe they don't understand that they're actually literally doing that, but to go from the race of Adam or the kingdom of this world and reject an opportunity to be part of God's kingdom through Christ is being at a place of not, if you died the next moment, you would not be pardoned, right? So I think uh, to not be pardoned is really the key issue for modern people today is what gives you the right to stand before God? Yeah, and I, I think the the other application too that that um, yeah, I know Seth you had quoted earlier from David Mattis's article, and um, I think he brings up a good point um, when when he says it's not that forgiveness isn't granted in the sense of these Pharisees. It's not that forgiveness isn't granted, but it, that it's not sought. The yeah. heart has become at such odds with God's spirit that it's becoming capable of true repentance. And Matthew Henry, in his commentary, he said that um, those who fear that they have committed this sin give a good sign that they have not. Mm-hmm. And I think there's a lot of um, hope for us, and even for this man who asked the question. And I think, the, as you said, Pastor Mike, the application is, look, we all need to be repentant. We all need to be regenerated by the Holy Spirit. And anyone who rejects that, is going to be found guilty on the day of judgment. Um, anybody who dies without responding to the grace of God and without accepting Christ as their Savior is going uh, to die. And, and the other side of it is there's a lot of concern maybe within Christians, well, maybe I have. Maybe I've, maybe I've blasphemed the Holy Spirit. If that's even possible, how do we know? How, you know maybe, how do I know if I did? How do I know if I didn't? And, and I think of the other um, application that we can take is that um, not, it wasn't that the Pharisees— weren't going to be forgiven it's it's that they weren't seeking to be mm. forgiven and anybody who's mm-hmm. asking that question with sincerity and really wanting to search their hearts and ask the lord to search my own heart to see if there be any wicked way mm. in me is in danger of not committing that 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 that's the work that is the work of the holy spirit in us to cleanse us to show us and to lead us into truth and um so the very fact that this person is asking that question sleep well tonight like like as Matthew Henry said like those who fear they've committed is a good sign that they have not um so if you're asking the question it's a good sign that you don't have to worry about the have i committed this or not yeah and maybe on the flip side sin is serious um and there's going to come a point in everyone's lives where repentance is too late you're going to die and if you as John Piper says if if, if you just continue to toy with sin uh, and and just not care, then uh, then you will be guilty of this sin. Um, and, and this fact, Piper says, should drive us uh, from sin with fear and trembling, uh, because the day will come. Uh, so we need to take sin seriously. Believers, you know, confess your sins to the Lord. 
Um, like Andrew said, search me and, and see if there's any wicked way in me. But unbelievers, uh, repent of your sin, uh, lest you be guilty of this unforgivable sin. Well, I'd like to leave with um, a quotation from the Old Testament and the New Testament, Hebrews chapter 3, starting at verse 7. It says, Therefore, as the Holy Spirit says, there you go, you might be bucking up against him if you reject Christ. But he says, Today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as in the rebellion on the day of testing in the wilderness, speaking of Israel who um, kind of hardened their hearts to God's voice continuously. And many of them never made it into the promised land. Verse 12 then says, Take care, brothers, lest there be any in any of you an evil, unbelieving heart leading you to fall away from the living God. Today, if you hear his voice, that's my appeal to you who are listening, is today, if you hear his voice, if you've heard um, the message of Christ through um, uh, Seth here today or Andrew or myself appealing to you that, to be pardoned by the Lord comes through faith in Jesus Christ, because only through him can your sins be washed away and God welcome you without judgment anymore, without wrath. And so today is the day you don't know if you have tomorrow. And so may the Lord bless you and keep you, all of you. And uh, we look forward to worshiping once again here at Cross Point Church on Sunday. If you do not have a church home, we would invite you at any time. Uh, to come worship with our church family here. You'd be welcomed and received, and you would certainly, in our songs and in our preaching, hear the Word of God once again, and hopefully it'll echo, echo through your lives and turn your hearts and minds to Christ. God bless you all.